The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, A rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, What is this that I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, What shall I do? Now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do so that when I am removed from the stewardship, they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, How much do you owe my master? He replied, One hundred measures of olive oil. He said to him, Here is your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for 50. Then to another the steward said, And you, how much do you owe? He replied, One hundred cores of wheat. The steward said to him, Here is your promissory note. Write one for 80. And the master commended the dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If therefore you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you're not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, again, we've been talking about our relationship to our possessions and our wealth. And a couple of weeks ago, I left everyone with a little bit of a challenge to remove the first-person possessive pronouns from your vocabulary, my, mine, our, ours, and the reason, and, and then to take that and to replace it with, the, with God's. And the reason being is, as you can see on the screen, it's not mine. None of it is mine. It's all his. It's all his. So one of our families wrote me an email and said I could share it with all of you. Take a listen to this. It had been a difficult week because our washer broke and we did not anticipate having to spend money on a new one. We were stepping over piles of clothing all week. On Friday, it was a particularly bad day because our five-year-old had had a bad morning. Anyway, I was in a bad mood already, and I said, we just need a bigger house. Without missing a beat, my husband said, you mean God needs a bigger house? I stopped in my tracks for a moment and then started laughing and said, well, when you put it that way, I guess our house is just fine. So it really does work. When you take out the we and you put in God, it changes everything. It is not mine. It is all his. 
But did you know that the reverse is also true? In a verse right prior to our reading this morning, the Lord says, all that is mine is yours. All that is mine is yours. The Bible makes it pretty simple to help us understand what our relationship with wealth and possessions should be like. The reading this morning translated it as steward. We might, in our context, translate it maybe more like manager. I'm not the owner, I'm the manager. It's not mine, it's his. And yet it is all mine because he gives it all over to me. He entrusts it to me as his manager. So what am I going to do with it? Jesus gives us an example today, as you heard, of a bad manager. First of all, he squanders his master's property. Now, I can't think of anything worse that we could do than to waste what God gives to us. But second, you notice that he only thinks about himself. When he's called to account, he doesn't make any apologies. He doesn't try to make things right. He just begins to make a plan for himself. What am I going to do? I'm too weak to dig. I'm too proud to go out and beg. Oh, I know what I'll do. And so the third thing he does is he devises this scheme where he's going to cheat the master. He's going to give away the master's profits in order to ingratiate himself with the debtors so that later on they'll take him in. Now, whenever we read the Scriptures, we should always look for the surprise in the Scriptures, the thing that kind of shocks us and stands out to us, what I like to call the say what of the Scripture, right? And the say what of this story is that, first of all, Jesus would, Jesus would use an example of such a scoundrel. But even more, what really should shock us is that the owner, the rich man, commends him doesn't jail him, he commends him. Now, of course, it wasn't because he wasted it or because he was selfish or because he cheated, but what he does commend is how shrewd he was. Prudent, smart. Jesus often does this, especially in Luke's gospel, where he takes a bad example and he makes a good point. This guy was smart enough he knew what to do to save himself. He cheats the master in order to win favors. And if you think about it, that's the kind of thing that happens in business today all the time. And and I don't mean in a dishonest or cheating way. There's nothing wrong with this. But think about all the whining and the dining and, and the golf outings and the trips that are taken all to win clients and to get business, right? Everybody else knows how to use money to influence people. And Jesus' point is, when y'all going to figure this out? Sons and daughters of light, Christians, when are you going to figure out to take everything that God has entrusted to you as his manager, all of your earthly wealth, and when are you going to take it and use it not to win favors, not to win clients, but to win, he says, friends, friends who are, are going to welcome you into heaven. I mean, the real, say what, of this story is that Jesus himself is actually the dishonest manager. Now, of course, Jesus is not dishonest. But the Father said, all that is mine is yours, my son. He entrusts everything to his son, Jesus. And what does the son do? 
He gives it all away. He spends it all. He gives his whole life to win friends, to win us, to to bring us with him into heaven. And so Jesus then puts it to us. What's it going to be? You can't serve God and mammon, he says. That's another word. It's a Hebrew word for money. You can't serve God and money. Either you're going to serve your money as your God, or you can use your money to serve your God and His purposes. And what are God's purposes? It's simple, right? He wants to win friends. He he wants to win our souls. He wants us to be with Him in heaven, to enjoy love and friendship with God and all the saints forever. That's God's purposes. In our society, we use people and we love our money and our things. And what Jesus is telling us to do is reverse it. Use your money and your things to love people. Everything we have, all of our money and anything our money could ever buy us, we all know it. It's going to fail us except one thing. There's one thing we could spend our money on that will not fail that has eternal possibilities for us. Take what God has given to us, my friends, all of our earthly riches that he entrusts to us as his managers, and let's take it and let's spend it on people, on relationships. Give generously to the poor and to the needy, because in that generosity, they will come to see God is generous and God is merciful. Give generously to the ministry of Christ's church. The church has one purpose, to win souls, to make friends for God. And when we give to the church, that's what we're supporting. St. Paul puts it in very simple terms for us. He says, do good, be rich in good works, be generous and ready to share which stores up treasure. And last week, Pastor Davis talked to us about what that treasure is God's treasure is us. God's treasure is people. The thing is that generosity wins friends. Think about it for a moment. I hope, I hope every one of us has experienced this. Where someone poured generously into your life. Maybe they gave you money or time or energy. Maybe they just stopped and listened to you. They took interest in you. And they didn't do it for self-interest. They didn't do it to get something back from you. They did it because they loved you and you cared about you. And they cared about you. And if you have ever experienced that before, what did that do to you? It won your heart, didn't it? God's generosity as it flows through us, wins hearts. It makes friends. Let us take everything that God entrusts to us and take it and use it to win friends, to make eternal impact on people's lives. Probably most of us are familiar with the story of Oscar Schindler. You probably saw maybe years ago in the movie Schindler's List. Oscar Schindler was a Nazi. And when Hitler began rounding up the Jews 
and putting them in concentration camps, Schindler saw this as an opportunity to make money, that he would use the Jews as slave labor in order to make a profit. But as the story goes on, his heart changes. And he goes from using Jews to make money to using his money to save Jews. And in the end, he saved 1,100 lives. I want to show you a clip from the very end of the movie, which is at the very end of World War II. Schindler now, as Europe is being liberated, he himself now needs to flee the work camp because, again, he's still, quote, a Nazi and is afraid of being arrested. Let's take a look at this. I don't know if you caught what the man with the rings said at the very beginning. He's quoting from what's called the Talmud. It's a Jewish commentary on the Old Testament. He said these words, whoever saves one life saves the world entire. Why I wanted to show you this is, did you notice as Schindler, did you notice how he came to see his possessions? They were meaningless and worth nothing to him compared to the treasure of human life. Now, I, I, I want to be really careful in showing us this because my goal this morning is not to guilt us. But there are some real truths in this clip for us, in this scene. I mean, first of all, even more is at stake, is it not? When we are generous with what God has given to us, there are many opportunities to spare earthly life. But we also have the opportunity to give eternal life, to bring people to Christ through our generosity. And the other one is this. We will someday regret when we, were, when we wasted. I wasted so much money. I threw so much money away. When we wasted the money and when we were selfish and when we could have done more. We will regret it. But the reverse is also true. Think of it in the positive, right? We will never regret when we have been generous, when we have impacted someone's life with God's love, especially when we've made eternal impact on their lives. Our God, when we take what he's given to us and we spend it. We're not cheating him like the guy in the parable. Oh, no, no, no. God commends us and says, good, give it away. Keep giving it away. Give more. I, guess what? I've got more. I'm God. I've got it all. I've got more. Keep giving it away and I'll give you more and you can give more away. See, sometimes we think if I give it away, then I'm going to lose it. No, no, no. As we give more, he gives more and that generosity keeps flowing through us. So what I'd like you to imagine is this. It's the day that you step into heaven. And all these people come over to you and you look at the faces and you see friends who welcome you into heaven. And they begin to recount for you and thank you for the way God worked through you and you brought them here, how you were generous towards them, how you shared what you had. And after they're done greeting you, then you begin to look around and you see other faces and other friends 
who did the same thing for you. What joy on that day. What joy generosity brings. I found this really great quote. And I'd like you to take just a second to look at it. The only thing that you can take with you in the life to come are the things that you have given away on earth. Let's just chew on that for just a moment. 